What is going on, Worst Podcast Universe? My name is Damien, and we are a uh, man and dollar short today. The worst half of me, Justin, uh, is feeling a bit under the weather today. So it's going to be a, a Brad and Damien excellent adventure. Uh, <laughs> you could say it's kind of a Wayne's World. Uh, yes. <laughs> it's a Wayne's World podcast here. Uh, Brad, how are you doing today, sir? I'm good, and since it's a Wayne's World, let's uh, start with a party on, Damien. <laughs> party on, Brad. <laughs> yes. I never thought I would get somebody that understood that reference. I, 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 I love Wayne's World so much, and a lot of my friends are very new school, so they don't quite get that... Uh, Get that reference as much, and it and it hurts my soul a little bit inside. <laughs> well, I have never not headbanged to Bohemian Rhapsody at, after the operatic break because of Wayne's World. Absolutely, you have to. It's tradition, and you don't fucks with tradition, like Letter right. tells us. <laughs> <laughs> so today, Brad. Um, well, first, let's get some of the plugs out of the way. Um, our podcast is sponsored by Superkicks. S P R K I X dot com. Use promo code WORST, and I think it's 10% off your order. I'm not 100% sure. That's more Justin's thing. It's a 10%er. <laughs> and then also, Brad, you have Russell Rumble. We have a brand new giveaway here. Why don't you fill the people in about it? Yes, for just the buck, we are doing Mini Mayhem. One winner will take home 20 mini championship belts. We've got everything from the Attitude Era world and intercontinental belts all the way down to the custom individual belts including the undertaker belt the edge rated r spinner the hardcore championship you name it we got it there are 20 of them and for just one dollar somebody's going to take them home and that will be drawn after nxt war games oh dude okay so a couple things to knock out of the park here um, if you enter because of the Worst Wrestling Podcast, um, we're going to start a campaign now, selfishly, for Damien. Um, can one of you guys just send me that taker belt, please? Yes, that, that's the uh, <laughs> that's, that's the caveat. The caveat is, is if the Worst Wrestling Podcast sent you, you have to send me the taker belt. <laughs> and if you a, pretend that we didn't send you, we get it. <laughs> But um, the second thing is a little bit about NXT uh, TakeOver War Games here really quick. Our boy Pat McAfee is going to be in freaking War Games, baby. Unbelievable. The uh, the boy from uh, the NFL, the kicker of the – or the punter of the decade, man, he's doing good. But I would never picture him in War Games. Dude, this match is going to be insane because the ladder match between Pete Dunne and Kyle O'Reilly this week was absolutely mental, dude. It was one of the best oh. ladder matches I think I've ever seen. I couldn't take my eyes off of it, and I am so glad Kyle O'Reilly is finally getting his chance to shine on a solo level because that guy is immensely talented. He has such a good story to tell, and, I mean, he's it's, it's awesome what he can do in a ring, and uh, to see him paired up with somebody so evenly matched like the Bruiserweight, what a match. And so, okay, so I know this is not something we normally do. We don't normally review the weeklies. We kind of try to keep it different from everything. But I, I just kind of have to go in on this because Kyle O'Reilly, I saw that man. I met him um, a couple times at a Ring of Honor show and stuff like that. And one of the coolest guys you'll ever meet. But, like, watching him live is so much different than watching him on a TV set. His mannerisms, the way he moves around the ring, everything that he does is definitely a lot, it's a lot more, it's a lot more paced, it's a lot more fluid than what you might see on TV because we know that TV and, and in person are two different kind of viewing experiences. Um, and I, I can't remember, did he win the ROH title during that feud with Adam Cole? I honestly, that was just slightly before my time really paying close attention to Ring of Honor, so I can't really okay. give you an answer. I'm sure because, the Google could help us out. Yeah, I think I'm going to Google that because um, let me tell you, Kyle O'Reilly was one of my was one of the highlights there for a hot minute of Ring of Honor because he was definitely um, he was definitely one of the guys. Him and Adam Cole had the feud because they were Future Shock there for a while. 
I think that's what their tag team was called. I can't remember off the top of my head. But Future Shock seems to be the one that's coming into my brain. Um, and they were putting on absolute barn burners. Yes, he did win the, the Ring of Honor title from February to April of 2017. He won it February of 2016 to April of 20... Or no, April, February of 2017 to April of 2017. Sorry about that. Um, it was... And, and his matches were... It was two matches where he beat... Kyle or Adam Cole in a no DQ match at final battle and then lost it to Adam Cole at wrestle kingdom. So, Oh, he won it 12 2 sorry. I'm reading it wrong. He won it December 2nd and then lost it on January 4th at the Tokyo dome, which, Hey, if you're going to lose the title belt, you might as well lose it at the freaking Tokyo dome, baby. That's the place. Yeah. That's where you should go. <laughs> so, um, today's episode, as you see me and Brad are both uh, drinking some coffee because, it might be 11.30 in the morning, but we're still freaking waking up. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah. today we are going to... Just... real. Yeah. Um, yeah. Oh, by the way, happy belated American Thanksgiving to all of our American listeners. Um, yeah. So this, this podcast, we are going in and we are doing our Mount Rushmore's. It kind of started a little bit of a debate on last episode because of the... Uh, Taker being excluded from one Justin's Mount Rushmore. Um, and, and we kind of got a peek into his, so we kind of went with it. And we're like, you know what? It caused such contention. Why don't we have more contention? So we're going to do the Mount Rushmore episode. <laughs> and I sort of wonder, it's, he's very, uh, very suspicious with his absence today, since uh, you know we're talking Mount Rushmore's, and he was missing a couple people from his. Uh, you, know, you know, I'm sick. Yeah, you know. you know, it's kind of like the, it's kind of like he's the opposite of the street prophets. He don't want the smoke. <laughs> yeah, he, he wants he wants the ashes, not the smoke. Yeah, absolutely. But he did send in his Mount Rushmore, so we will be reading it. But Brad and I kind of discussed right before recording the podcast that we we're going to do this a little bit differently, which means that we're kind of changing the format of the Mount Rushmore debate. Um, yes. We're going to place them in order. Um, of who they represent on the mountain. So for those that don't that, that aren't familiar with Mount Rushmore, you have your George Washingtons, your Thomas Jefferson, your Abe Lincoln, and your Teddy Roosevelt. So you kind of have to look at it. Okay, so George Washington, your leader, who is the biggest leader of all of this? Then you have yeah. Lincoln, who in some aspects, not in my mind, but is very controversial. And, and and but was also very honest, very forthcoming, and very very positive in the changes that he made. So you have that. Then you have Teddy Roosevelt, who's more of your your brute, your 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 outdoorsman, if you will. Um, <laughs> and then you have Jefferson, who's more of your scribe, your your um your tech your your tactical your technician, if you will. I think in my mind, anyway, that's where it would be. So. It's very go and, and it's going the, to be go ahead, Brad. Sorry. And the thing that got us thinking about this is if you really break it down, and a lot of people don't think about it this way, but you know, uh, with Washington and Lincoln being the top two, they also have monuments to them other places. We got the Washington mm -hmm. Monument with the reflecting pool, we've got the Lincoln Memorial. So another way to think about it is who are your two that are so big? that they cannot just be enshrined in one place. They have to go twice. So that would change sort of who you think would fall into those two spots. Right. And that's kind of, that's going to be the fun part of this as I'm writing down, um, I'm writing down Justin's picks now and I'm going to place them for him. And then we're going to have a little bit of a, uh, we're going to have a little bit of a discussion at the beginning of next podcast to see where uh, he would have placed these guys because we kind of didn't tell him about this because we decided it literally 13 minutes and 40 seconds ago. <laughs> so, um, so why don't we why don't we get into it? Um, we'll start with Justin's pick, um, and, and we'll start with the we'll start with the least. We kind of go from lowest to highest in importance. And you and I kind of both agreed that Jefferson would be that guy. And um, of, of Justin's list, if I'm going to put anybody in Jefferson's spot, your your technician, your more tactical worker, it would be Bret Hart. Like, not saying that Bret Hart is the least important person, 
But of of his grouping, I think that he is the the one with the less amount of achievements, the um, less title reigns, and, and kind of a shorter career if you think about it outside of one other person, but the popularity didn't reach that peak for that other person on his list. So I think Bret Hart would pit, would fit in perfectly here at the Jefferson spot, still on his Mount Rushmore, but definitely not to that next level. Correct. Yes, that, that would be correct for me. Okay, so why don't we go with Brad? Brad, who is your Jefferson? My Jefferson is somebody that you wouldn't really expect uh, to be on a Mount Rushmore in most cases, but I go with the American dream, Dusty Rhodes. Uh, wow, okay. Yes, he, the impact he has had on wrestling from you know his days back as an active competitor, the flair rivalries, everything going all the way back to his tag team with uh, Murdoch. I mean, he has impacted so much in ring. Then you look at once he moved to out-of-ring roles as producers, as the promo coach at NXT, he has had an impact on almost every generation of modern wrestling in one way, shape, or form. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Dusty Rhodes is kind of the pinnacle of your all-around worker. He could do a hardcore match. He could do a technical masterclass. He could do your your brawling kind of style of match. Like, if he had to go in there with Stan Hansen, he could fucking lay in lariats with him, like the best of them. You know what I mean? Absolutely. So I, I completely agree with you here. Um, it it wouldn't have been it wouldn't have been my first choice for that. And I think what I'm gonna do is is I'm gonna kind of I'm I'm gonna kind of relay my my Mount Rushmore around you guys, I think kind of similar to how we did the Survivor Series thing. So I'm going to do a lot more new school. Um, I know yours is going to be a lot more old school, and Justin's is going to kind of be in the middle of that. So I think right now, um, if I was going to do a Jefferson, it would have to be Kazuchika Okada. Okay. Um, I, I, I truly think that Okada is that guy that when you think about it, the matches he's had have been amazing. Do not get me wrong. This dude has put on Dave M- Dave Melter's rating system of nah. seven stars. I'm not a big Dave Melter fan. He doesn't Neither do anything I. for me. Um, he's kind of he's kind of a schmuck in my opinion. But uh, I'd like to get blocked by him on Twitter. That would I would that love would to get blocked by him on Twitter because you know what? I don't want to see his bullshit. Um, because like, there's actually a Twitter account now. I was listening to 83 Weeks by. Um, sorry, my, if you hear snapping or something like that, my dog just came in because nobody's in, nobody's in my house and she's sniffing everywhere. Uh, (laughs) so, um, but he, there's a Twitter account that I heard from 83 weeks that is like going around and just debunking all of Meltzer's shit that's been put into the wrestling observer and like just going back through and fact checking and showing how wrong he is. And Mm -hmm. it's more often than not complete nutter bull crap like absolutely but back to my original point for okada this dude puts on so many great matches he has been iwgp champion i believe seven times uh six or seven times he is the pinnacle of modern wrestling but he doesn't have that next level superstardom because he is all the way in the land of the rising sun He is in Japan. He hasn't made that jump to America. And I think that that's going to be where things kind of stop for him unless he makes that jump similar to a Kushida. But then you have, you know, him being booked in NXT and we'll discuss that one later. But (laughs) yeah, um, I was going to say that would be what held held Kushida back some uh, when he came over to NXT is, you know, he doesn't have the recognition to the more casual fan. Right. And and that's the thing is like a casual fan, even a top indie like a um, like an Adam Cole will still have some of that uh, some of that popularity because he came from the American indies. He came from here. And when I say here, I mean in the same state from you and I. He lives he lived 45 minutes down the road from me. But (laughs) um he he came he he was brought up here people learned his name through the indies saw his brand recognition with the bullet club and stuff like that which i think is another thing that holds okada back a little bit mhm 
yeah, he's not a part of that that main faction. I mean, when I think of New Japan as a casual fan of it, uh, I go right to the Bullet Club first. And yeah, it's it's like the DX of the uh, of of the Attitude Era, for example. You know, a lot of the non wrestling fans would see that big green DNX and think, "Oh, I know who that is." Brand recognition. Absolutely, I'm a it's marketing man, that. so. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, I, I ta- you're talking to a guy that, again, I have my own Twitch channel, I have my own line of merch through that. It's all about brand rec, and it's all about marketing yourself for that. And DX did that, Stone Cold did that, which takes us into our next pick. Um, for the for the Roosevelt, I think that that would have to be, for Justin's list, Stone Cold Steve Austin. Um, I think that his two other picks, and I, I, I know you've seen them. I think those two, yeah. regardless, well, the one kind of has a lot of similarities to Washington, and we'll get to that. But um, <laughs> when it comes down to Austin, Austin had the popularity, but not always the 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 technical work. He was more of your. Uh, like back when he was younger and part of the Hollywood Blondes, you saw that you saw him working more technical. But once the injuries racked up and stuff like that, similar to Teddy Roosevelt, he couldn't do as much. And and Absolutely. and then he he kind of he led by example, which kind of gave us the Attitude Era. And we still had great matches there, but they weren't blow away classics. And, and it was more popularity than it was on actual work rate, if that makes sense. Absolutely. And, and I mean, that's a good way to put it, uh, for Austin, this is where you're really going to see the big change because I'll be completely honest with you. My Mount Rushmore looks very similar to Justin's Mount Rushmore. Mm -hmm. Uh, so this is where the placement comes into play and matters. So when you think of Austin in that sense, yeah, he was, I mean, he's even gone on record saying he changed everything up because of injuries and that is sort of like a Roosevelt who, uh, you know, he had his injuries and he, he hit it and he just kept going. And that's why my Mount Rushmore spot for Roosevelt would actually fall to Ric Flair. Okay. I would put the nature boy in that spot because he is that reliable fighter that just keeps going. He would, even if you look at the uh, twilight of his career, right before the famous, I love you super kick, uh, he he wasn't himself. He wasn't quite the nature boy that everybody knew and loved. And but he st- everybody still adored him. Everybody still loved him. He still did what he could. And honestly, he did some great stuff in the twilight of his career. But to me, the great stuff he did was more outside of the ring than in the ring. So I would put Ric Flair in that spot on my Mount Rushmore. Um, and another thing to your Ric Flair thing, um, you look at, um, and I'm, I'm sure a lot of people have seen the Broken Skull sessions with uh, with Undertaker one more round. Taker tells the story of um, Flair losing his confidence and Taker kind of helping to restore that confidence in Flair because he wasn't himself. He didn't feel himself. He hadn't had those kinds of matches in a long time. And he felt like he was disappointing people. And then Taker comes in and he puts him through this match. And if you look back, WrestleMania X8, that's like that's one of the more underrated cards because of the magnitude of Hogan Rock. A lot of people forget what's on the undercard of that show. And yes, absolutely. And I think it's one of the better WrestleManias. I truly do. I think that they had a really good WrestleMania there. And then you also have Flair through that last run leading up to the I love you super kick. What a story that they were telling. Absolutely. I mean. His matches didn't have to be five-star classics at that point. You know what I mean? Yeah, it was the psychology of it all. And that's where. Flair was a master at this psychology and much like Roosevelt, who could get you on his side with his fireside talks and, uh, you know, everything just it, the psychology of it made it work. And that's what made it solid. See, you're learning stuff from this podcast now, <laughs> not just wrestling, but we're giving you a little bit of history. So there we you are. And, and, and you know what? I think, I think to wrap up kind of the way that people change their style and kind of going into the nuances of the new school, what what's a better freaking example of this than John Cena? Yes. John Cena 
is my Teddy Roosevelt. I think he is the most successful person of the new era, of of the of the PG era of you know anything post two thousand five. In my opinion, I think John Cena might be the best one. And I, personally, I'm not the biggest John Cena fan. Okay, I will admit that. I'm very much more focused on your work rate. I'm very much more focused on what you can do in between the ropes. Okay, so. That being said, though, you have to respect what Cena did. He was not going out there to put on five-star classics, but he was out there to put butts in seats, and he was out there to put on the best damn match that he could do. And when you get to those CM Punk matches from 2010 to 2012, great matches, great matches. Those two have five-star classics between them. So when you sit down and you think about it, Cena is the epitome of Teddy Roosevelt. A lot of injuries, had to change up his style, had to kind of limit himself on what he could do. I think Cena best fits this role. Absolutely, and I, I agree with that because Cena is, uh, Cena is, I think, extremely underrated because he, he does uh, sort of the opposite of what my Pittsburgh Steelers do. Instead of playing down to the opponents, he plays up to them. If you were to put him in there with somebody that was a much more proficient worker, somebody who was stronger of a worker than him, he would play up to that and he would make it work. I mean, he's had some some incredible matches with I'm trying to think of uh, some of the guys that he wrestled with uh, that I would label an incredible worker. But yeah, CM Punk is a great example or Edge. Yeah. Yeah. Even Daniel Bryan, when he's gotten into the ring with Daniel Bryan. Those were some of the best Cena matches that there were. And that's the thing, too, is Cena could do those brawling style of matches, but he could go hold for hold. Like, you saw that with more of the Daniel Bryan matches. He could go hold for hold with Daniel Bryan. Not not to Bryan's expertise, but he could still get up there and be like, hey, this may look sloppy, but it's effective. You know? Exactly. And and, And 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 he had the strength to him that made it believable that, like, I mean, if you look at John Cena, you believe that he could throw Big Show. Like, and when oh, he did it, it was just like, holy shit, he just lifted up Big Show. But then you're like, yeah, but I could see that. You know what I mean? Absolutely. And and I think when I think of worker or work rates and things like that, I think back to the video games. Uh, for example, the match that I hate the most in any WWE game, any wrestling game, is the submission match. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, my favorite guys are, I like the brawling style. I like the fighters. I like the, the guys that are uh, as close to MMA without the holds as you can get. Mm-hmm. But Cena had his submission. The Was it the STFU? Was the, uh, it was the was STFU, that? and then it came, and then it was just changed to the STF because you can't tell people to shut the fuck up on national TV, apparently. Yeah, that's true. So, uh... <laughs> Yeah, so I, I honestly think, you know, that he had the arsenal that he could go. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, sure, he had the moves of doom, but even then, he embraced that when he said, you know, oh, I got my seven moves of doom, mm-hmm. uh, you know, on a couple raws, and it, it made me, like, pop every time. Yeah. And, uh, you know, for somebody who's like me, that, that he's not my style, he's not my guy, you know, that says a lot. Yeah, and, and you know, that's the thing, too, is, like, you look at him, like, he got into the ring with some of the all-time greats, Eddie Guerrero, Batista mm-hmm. even. Like, him and Batista have had a couple good matches to him. And, I'm like, wow, Batista's not an all-time technical great. He's a brawling great. I think, like, I think that's where sometimes people are just like, oh, Eddie's one of the best. Ric Flair's one of the best. Batista has to be up there with one of with some of the brawling greats, but he doesn't get enough credit because everybody's too worried about how many moves you can do Versus how convincing are you in the ring? Well, even look at his first match with Kurt Angle on SmackDown. I mean, Kurt Angle, I would put as one of the best technical wrestlers, if not the best, hands down, that there's ever been in the ring. And Cena went hold for hold, move for move with him in his first match. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, that says a lot to me uh, right there about him. Yeah, absolutely. And like he kind of changed his style to fit the character he was portraying, you know. If he was the he was the doctor of thugonomics, he was he was punching you in the face. He wasn't doing anything pretty because he didn't have to. His character wouldn't have done that. His character wasn't breaking out freaking fool Nelsons and shit like that to no, he was going to punch you, kick you, throw you around. That was his style. That was his character. Yes, and and that's 
I mean, he's adaptable. He's like a chameleon. He fits in. I mean, even the ruthless aggression scene of before he became the Doctor of Thugonomics, mm-hmm. when he came on his, uh, you know, silver, uh, you know, lights and did his thing. Yep. I mean, he adapted to that. That's what was popular then. Then you've got the uh, scene of the Thugonomics. And then you move forward to what we know and have now. Or yeah. have, I should say. I don't know if he'll ever be back in a in a run capacity, but uh, I don't think we've seen the last of John Cena by any means. I don't think so either. I think he'll come back. I think he'll do kind of like a rock spot where he'll come back, cut a promo, have a match or two at WrestleMania. And, and you know what I mean? And, and to help put some people over. And I think that that's, I think that that's to his credit where I think that's where he needs to be. He doesn't need to be there every week. He doesn't have to be there every month or every six months, but when, but when his music hits, it's going to have that little bit of a different pop now, you know? It's definitely going to be sort of a, I, I don't want to say beyond the rocks level of when that. No. Is, but I think it will definitely be higher than you expect. I mean, I believe Sam Roberts said it. He gets the yeah boos where, you know, everybody, his music hits. They're like, yeah, it's a boo. We are not supposed to like you. Yeah. Yeah, and it's just like, oh, yeah, shit, Cena, but, oh, I don't like you. Yeah, <laughs> you love to hate him. Yeah, and you know what? Like, me and um, me and my buddy Colin were talking on Survivor Series Sunday. Um, we were kind of discussing it at that main event match between Drew and Roman. He's like, but what if Brock's music hit? And I'm like, you know what? I probably still pop a little bit just because it's Brock Lesnar. But I know I don't like Brock Lesnar. <laughs> yeah, but you're more excited for what it brings. Kind of, yeah. Not even really excited for what it brings, but like his music, like his music first off just pops me. I love Brock Lesnar's music. But I think like it's just like the unpredictability of that. I think would have popped me a little bit. And I think that that's what would have been kind of cool about it. See, and Lesnar, Cena, those are the guys I don't think we're going to see in this COVID era for a little while, at least I think once we, or if we ever get back to the full arena, I think that's when you'll start seeing those guys pop in again. That's what's going to make this year's Royal Rumble super interesting to see how it goes. So, okay. So speaking of the Royal Rumble, a little bit of a tangent here. Do you think we get a lot more NXT people this year? I do. Uh, Just mainly because, uh, and it won't be call-ups. I don't think, I think mainly because of the testing and knowing that they're clear and ready to yep. go, uh, having them so, uh, in the so-called bubble, I think is why we'll see a lot more NXT people. Uh, you know, there's always the fear. I mean, look at the Ravens Steelers game that was supposed to happen on Sunday and on Thursday. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It was on yeah, Thursday. It now it's today. Sunday. Now it's Tuesday and it's in, it's in, fear of being postponed potentially to the end of the year yeah exactly and you know it's just i think that with wwe having such strict protocols and testing on people i think that's why we might see more nxt people we might even see nxt people that we don't really know all that much about like uh you know like a marcel bartel or a uh, fabian eichner popping up here or, or there. leon ruff maybe what well, uh, pat yeah, mcafee exactly. pat mcafee there's there's a chance uh I would love to see Pat in the Rumble. Like, let me be frank. I would love to see Pat in the Rumble. I'm a huge Pat fan. I would like to see him punt Leon Ruff over the top rope and just literally just boot him in the ass and over the rope he goes. The Rumble is my favorite event of the whole year. Almost kind of like that Macho Man Randy Savage sell when he pinned Yokozuna and Yokozuna throws him over the top rope. Yes, exactly. Just up and over and gone. And... Yeah, I mean, I, it's going to be an interesting Rumble because I do think NXT is going to play a big part in it. Yeah, and we'll get our Rumble predictions. We'll, we'll make sure we get that one kind of uh, a, a week early so that way we can definitely discuss that one because I think the Rumble is one that we have to do a prediction show on. Absolutely. Um, okay, so moving on to Abraham Lincoln of our Mount Rushmore. This is a guy that you would have unbridled faith in you would have you would lean on him for everything and i think honestly you you need more than one monument to him and i put this one here for rick flair for justin's list 
Um, okay. Ric Flair, I think, definitely fits Lincoln a little bit better than Teddy Roosevelt. Like, he still kind of went with the injuries, but I think if you honestly needed a five-star classic out of Rick at 67 years old or whatever, he'd somehow pull it out. <laughs> yes. Yeah, absolutely. There will be a, there's a will, there's a way. And I definitely think that, uh, yeah, um, I mean, we've seen him do stuff with Charlotte. I mean, even if he can't go, per se, when Charlotte slapped him in the face and disowned him, who didn't have a broken heart from that? I mean, yes. he finds a way to, to matter. Yes, absolutely. I mean, and, like, his his facial selling, I think, like – I know a lot of people like are, are like, oh, well, Shawn Michaels, Dolph Ziggler, some of the greatest sellers in the world. I won't discredit that. But facial selling is something completely different that Ric Flair has mastered. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And even uh, uh, just more recently when he, the edge uh, angle was going on with, mm-hmm. or with WrestleMania with Randy Orton, I mean... Blair couldn't get physical. So what they do, they turned off the lights and that's how they made Randy yeah. attack him. And then you, you knew that, you know, he didn't get touched. They just made sounds and then you found him laid out. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I didn't care the, about the reality of the situation. My God, they, he sold it. And he made me believe my God, Orton just attacked this old man and left him laying in a heap. And well, that's only- the kind of stuff you want. Not only that, but then you go back to the WrestleMania angle with Batista and Triple H. He mm-hmm. he couldn't he couldn't take a bump then, but Batista dragging him by the coat, you know, that sold that angle. That sold Absolutely. that whole match. Yep, I was not interested till that moment. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And that brought absolutely. me back in. And I mean and, the match didn't deliver for me, but I mean that's just my taste. Uh when you know the the pliers for the nose ring that just yeah going. yeah but then like you also have like with with lincoln uh, lincoln had a way with words i mean the gettysburg address four score seven years ago our founding fathers founded this or our fathers founded this great nation all that kind of stuff flair has memorable clo- quotes wheel and deal and limousine ride jeff jeff flying some of the gun and like just even the woos like the woos yeah he has the charisma and the way that he can cut a promo definitely, I think, matches Lincoln more than anything. Absolutely. Yeah. And, uh, you know, that, that Lincoln spot, it's it's a very important spot just because, as you said, it is. Who do you want to see recognized twice? Mm-hmm. And so I'm going to move into my Lincoln spot. Uh, I warned you, it's going to seem a lot like Justin's, but uh, my Lincoln is Stone Cold Steve Austin. I think okay. there were a couple parallels if you look at Lincoln and Austin. Austin was the leader of the WWE through a wrestling civil war, essentially, because, you know, when you saw the Monday Night Wars going on, who was your man that was leading the side that ultimately came out on top? Austin. I like Lincoln, who got taken down in the prime of his career after the war was over. Austin. Austin's career got cut short, unfortunately, like Lincoln that night in Ford's Theater. I mean, mm-hmm. there's some parallels there. And I I believe that uh, Austin is that guy who just, you know, came in, made such a huge impact, did so many positive things, put the spotlight where it needed to be led. He, he rallied the troops. He was the guy that mm-hmm. kept everybody going. Even when he did that short GM stint, I mean, he picked up the stick and he proved what he had. And, you know, Austin is my, my Lincoln. I mean, because if you think about it, arguably Lincoln and Washington are the two that when you're in your history class, who do you think's the best president? Those are the two that come up because I mean, they both did so much in their respective times. So, like I said, mine's going to be, it's not my true Mount Rushmore because I think if I did a true Mount Rushmore, it would be, it would be too similar in my mind, um, to, to kind of what we're saying. I mean, there'd be a couple people interchange. Actually, I think we'd only share one person, and that would be Stone Cold. But I think with being in the new era, I think it provides a lot more depth to this. And I think that the best Lincoln of the new era, and a lot of people are going to definitely agree, disagree with me, let me hear those hate comments on Twitter, at Worst Wrestling Podcast, <laughs> reply to this, because I'll see them. 
I get tagged in all of those tweets, so I'll see them. I think that the Lincoln of the modern day is Cody Rhodes. Yes, I will agree with you in the sense I'm a, first of all, I think I've been pretty clear about this straight out. I'm a Rhodes family mark. Everything the Rhodes family does is good with me. I love Cody. I love Dusty. I love Dustin. Mm -hmm. I'm down with the Rhodes. And I see where you said that. And honestly, uh, I'm very touchy on this. And like with, with Lincoln and putting Cody in that spot, Cody has left a giant mark. It's undeniable in the modern era. I think once he left WWE, I will say, I think the first year of his career outside, he kind of stumbled uphill. Yeah. He, he, it wasn't like he did have the list, but it wasn't like he went out now and is who you see now. Right. I think he stumbled uphill until he ran into the right people and then everything happened. And that's where you see Cody transform into this person that he is now. I mean, when Cody first left WWE, I thought, well, he's done. Whatever. He's going to be the black sheep of the Rhodes family. Mm-hmm. That's that. Whatever. And, you know, I kind of gave up on him a little bit when he left and before he was doing anything visible. Then he regained that visibility. And that's when he became the Cody that, you know, is is so transformative. Yeah. And you know what? I mean, again, like it's not necessarily him, but his dad, humble beginnings, man, the son of a plumber. And now he's the son of the son of the plumber. Like, granted, Cody never had like I don't think Cody ever had to worry about a meal or anything like that. I don't think that that's ever the case. But I do think that he he had to worry about his financial stability there for a hot minute with leaving the WWE. And the one thing I will say is you kind of made the comparison to Stone Cold. What are we in again? A a wrestling civil war to an extent between the two top super indie promotions like NXT and AEW. They're super indies. Let's be frank. Like very true. Like they're very much the top, the two top indie promote. I think I would say indie promotions because I don't consider NXT to be part of the WWE bubble. I, I I don't. It's too different. It's too. And while it's still very pretty, it still has that feel of I'm at a bingo hall, and that's it, not it, a bad thing. It's like when you're using soap and you get the bubble, the big bubble, and then you have that little small bubble that's attached to it. Yeah, it's not. It's its own thing. I mean, they proved that with Survivor Series this year by not having any NXT representation whatsoever. I thought thought that's a disgrace. If they wanted to do Survivor Series properly this year, in my opinion, it would have been Retribution leading NXT against the main roster. I could see that, yeah. That's what it should have been. To where Raw and SmackDown are so terrified of this retribution gang that they had to team up together, dislikes and all that aside, to take down the invading force. That's how it should have been. Yes, and the thing is, though, I think that uh, when you're looking at the teams, there's so many NXT call-ups that were on those teams that I think they almost worried it would feel like an NXT show because you had, you know, Keith Lee, Riddle, you had like a bunch of NXT guys that were just but recently I mean, called up. It's kind of the same thing with 2006, though. I mean, you had pretty much an OVW show. Like, yeah. like I mean, you have to pass that guard at some point. But I, I digress. We're getting way off topic of where we're supposed to be at. Uh, no, no, it's fine. Um, with, with Justin's Cody not here. Rose. We can talk. <laughs> <laughs> with Cody Rhodes, I think, as the Lincoln... I think you kind of have to build two monuments to recognize what he came from and where he's at now. And I think that that's really the thing. He came from Stardust. He came from fucking Stardust, guys. (laughs) And he is now arguably the top worker in the world. That's true. Like, I'm not saying wrestler. I'm saying worker. Two different things. The top worker in the world can cut the promo, put the people over, put the asses in seats, and still work a great match. It's all four. You have to be able to do all four. Cody Rhodes does that. I think that that's 
literally where he is. I think he is the Lincoln. He hasn't had his career cut short, but he started very young. You know that his career cannot last 30 years. It just it just won't. There's too much wear and tear on his body. He's already exploring outside wrestling adventures. So I think that he is going to be, I think he's going to go down as one of the biggest comeback stories in all of professional wrestling. I, I think that he is the biggest comeback story in all of professional wrestling right now because he came back from Stardust and not being booked to now being the face of the company. I mean, I don't care what anybody says. You know, they're saying Darby Allen's the face of Dynamite. You got the Bucks. You got Kenny. I put Cody as the face of that company because when you think of AEW, when you see their events, who is always there, who is always front and center? Cody. Cody. Yeah, and, and the thing is, too, is, like, you can be the face of the channel, but you're not the face mm-hmm. of the company. It's the same as, like, when you had a TV champion. Your TV champion was the face of your TV show. Yep. It is not the face of your company. So, like, if Mr. Perfect's your IC champion, that's great. He's your work rate champion. But Hogan is the champion of the company. He's the one that everybody looks at and is like, ah, WWF. True story. Absolutely true. I mean, even today. Yeah, even today. Like, you look at Hogan and you're like, ah, WWF. Like, mm-hmm. I, I mean, us hardcores will be like, ha, NWL. But <laughs> a lot of the people that are casual fans that grew up in the 80s will be like, WWF, that's Hogan. That's Hogan. Yeah, he's like the McDonald's when you think of a fast food burger. Yeah. That's where you will your mind will go there, whether you like it or not. I hate McDonald's, but... I mean, that's why I think of when I think of a fast food burger. I think McDonald's, love it or hate it, that's where my mind goes. I agree 100%. Um, So now we are going to get into our GW. And no, I don't mean George W. I mean George Washington. (laughs) Fool me once. You can't fool me again. (laughs) 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 I need to watch Your Welcome America again, by the way. I have it on DVD, and it is the best movie is so freaking funny oh <laughs> the story about the monkeys running through north carolina after yes. they tried to train them oh my gosh <laughs> yeah i need you say that now i need to go watch it again <laughs> I, it's it's worth the hour and a half it, it is, is will ferrell at his best it re- oh my god it really is anyway so this is the best place that i could think of and i guarantee since you said yours is very similar to Justin's, I'm assuming that this is where your pick is going to. Hulk Hogan is the George George Washington of the Washington Monument, or of the, of the Mount Rushmore. Yes, that is absolutely my pick. Uh, and I think I can speak for Justin on this. Uh, because I, I put him there because George Washington was the leader that brought America to where it is now. He took us through the Revolutionary War he took us from being just this little group of settlers to becoming a nation. And I think that when you really look at it, Hogan brought wrestling was a thing. Wrestling was popular enough. It was popular mm-hmm. enough to survive. It was, it was going fine, but you bring in Hogan and it just turns into this thing of its own. It is its own nation. It brings you the rock and wrestling. It makes it part of the mainstream zeitgeist. It is, everything at that point you cannot go anywhere without seeing hogan's face you can't even go to to a gnc without seeing hulk hogan vitamins i mean that's how big it was or he was and then when he moved over to wcw that made national headlines when has a wrestler going to another company made headlines before Mm -hmm. it hasn't and i don't think it ever will again Nobody's going to give a shit if Roman Reigns goes to AEW outside the wrestling universe. You know, nobody's going to care if, if there's a big move from one company to another. But with Hogan, it was everything. It was on ESPN when he moved over. I mean, he crossed over into the mainstream. He stayed there, and he's still there for better or worse. Hogan will always be this omnipresent force in wrestling hell he's standing over my shoulder right now i mean yeah always be there yeah and you know i i I agree okay 
I agree. And, and the thing is, too, is like, so my my pick is definitely a little bit more of the characteristics of Washington versus what like what he was as a whole. The 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 like I, I the mainstream popularity of America really like who's who's the first president of the United States George Washington I mean somebody in freaking Cambodia knows that <laughs> like so and while I get I get that appeal everybody that's listened you know who my George Washington is it's Undertaker absolutely <laughs> and 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 it's not the mainstream appeal of Undertaker because. Nobody in the mainstream really gives a fuck about a guy that's coming out with druids and electricity and supernatural powers. Nobody cares. I get that. But when you think about the characteristics of Washington, he was undying leader and undying loyalty to his company, to America. Washington was it. Taker never left. Yep. Taker never switched sides. He never left. He never put like distrusted his faith in Vince McMahon, even though he probably should have. But, <laughs> but yes. He he never once wavered from the cause that he believed in, and that was the WWF and the WWE. He never once broke kayfabe until his retirement. He never once he he never broke character. Like, this dude was literally the guy that I think, uh, while Austin launched them into the stratosphere, Taker was the one carrying the load. He was the one pushing them and pushing them and pushing them through all of this depravity, all of this this unending just beat down, beat down, beat down by WCW, while Austin launched the comeback – Taker marched him down the field. Taker is Tom Brady, in yep. my opinion. He is, a, a, you will hear me say this, Taker is the greatest of all time. I will never waver from that because there's something about that man that led a revolution in the company, but also knew when to step back. Absolutely. He, he never needed to be the face of the company. He never needed to be the champion. He was his own thing, his own entity, his own Washington. I mean, how many people have there ever been in wrestling history where he's, you're considered automatically in a WrestleMania main event if you get the Taker match? I Unless mean, how many people have ever had that match? Yeah, well, he's an idiot, so that's, that's <laughs> another side. I, I'm not a big CM Punk guy, but I mean, the Taker match, I mean, how many people wanted that? I mean, AJ Styles, that's one of the things he wanted when he came to WWE was he wanted that Taker match. Yep. I mean, and he was the one to get the last Taker match. Absolutely. And I mean, the Undertaker can pick his competitors. I mean, there was that story of who do you want RVD or Ric Flair? And mm-hmm. he picked Flair and he didn't think it was going to happen because Flair wasn't a Vince guy, but it happened. I mean, you get that. I mean, you don't get that much with anybody. I mean, just their sheer presence is enough to be a main event. Yeah. And and that's the thing, too, is like we were kind of talking about it on the last podcast. When the streak died, WrestleMania died a little bit. Yes. It weakened. It weakened. Like, it's almost like taking one one of the Infinity Stones away from Thanos. You know, mm-hmm. he, you may not have killed it, but you weakened him. You still got one hell of a punch, but yeah. you don't have the instant death blow. Exactly. And, and I think that that's, I think that that's something that's going to be missed. Taker being part of WrestleMania as a whole is going to be missed. And I think that that's the thing is like, do we have a WWE without the Undertaker right now? And, and I'm being, and I'm, that's not, that's not bias. That's straight fact. Do we have a WWE without The Undertaker? I think that, uh, and I'm, I'm going to be very honest, I'm stealing this from Bully Ray uh, when he was talking about him busting open. He will be that silver bullet that is only break class in case of a very dire, 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 do-or-die emergency. 
Mm-hmm. I mean, if they need that ratings pop to, let's say, save a, a TV deal, they'll bust that case. You know, they'll, they'll do something that drastic. But I don't think you're going to see him, you know, come out just for any, you know, Dick, Tom, and Nancy. You know, that's yeah. just how it is. Yeah. I mean, I think you'll get, I think you'll still get the appearance and you'll still get the entrance like once or twice a year. I, I, I truly do think that you'll get something like that where you may not get the same taker entrance and you may not get the same undertaker, but I think you're still going to get his presence felt somewhere, you know, whether it's a, a GM, if they ever come back. That needs to shut a heel up and boom, choke slam. All right, done. You know, or if it's just like a pop, like an Elias playing a song and then he comes out Tombstone's Elias just to kind of get him over a little bit more. You know, I, I think you'll still get it, but it's just not going to feel the same. And, and and it's, I think that that's going to be a very big thing for fans right now is they don't have that character in WWE. Now, in AEW, it's arguably that you'll have that character in a little bit of a Darby Allen or something like that, or, you know. But I don't think that you'll have a, I don't think you'll have that kind of special energy that you get with an Undertaker ever again. And, and, and I think that that's going to be something that's felt across the whole wrestling business. And I don't know if this is a hot take so much as just, you know, a, a thought. I think the Undertaker still has a lot to do with WWE but I don't think it should be in a ring. I think that if you were to put him down at NXT to lead like a character development or something like that, I mean, there's a photo circulating from Survivor Series of Shane McMahon, The Undertaker, and Triple H. That, to me, is how you lead WWE moving forward. You got Shane, you got the big money pop guy. Mm -hmm. You got The Undertaker who could just develop every character and make everything make sense. And then you got Triple H who gets you the talent, who gets you the development. He's got the smarts in the ring. I mean, if you were to put those three together, you have got the launching pad for something on the next level. I think, honestly, those three coupled with, and and, and again, coupled with Cody Rhodes and the Young Bucks and Kenny Omega. If you have those three versus the Young Bucks and Cody and Kenny and all them, I think that I think we're in for a lot of great shit. I think Absolutely. right now, I think this is your 93. Okay. Mm-hmm. I think we're about to hit our 97 in the next couple of years. I think we're about to hit just this massive wrestling boom that's going to launch it back into mainstream popularity because it's getting there. It is getting there. You're seeing a lot more people being openly into wrestling again. You're seeing people that are like, Oh, have you heard of AEW? Have you that are that are checking out Japan? That are checking out, um, you know, British Britres and stuff like that. You have a lot more exposure to it, and it might not be seen in the numbers of the WWE, but you're going to see it in the numbers of subscriptions to Revolution Pro in progress in New Japan, all Japan. I think you're going to see it much more spread out than it was in the in the 90s, but I think we're primed for another wrestling. Boom. I think that, and as much as I love AEW, they don't have their footing yet. They're still going. They're still figuring it out. It takes five out. years. It takes yep. five years yep. to get a good, a good footing in any company, in any company. Well, I would even say this about Kenny Omega. Like, I think we're seeing him now starting to figure out who he is. Mm-hmm. You know, Kenny Omega puts on incredible matches, but incredible matches can only take you so far. If you don't know who you are, you're yep. not going to be in that conversation for the greatest. And I think we're starting to see who Kenny Omega is. And so I think it's the same thing with AEW. We see what they are, but I don't think they know what they are yet. I mean, I no. think they've got a ways to go to get there. Uh, as much as I love Jericho, I think they lean on him a little too much. Yes. Uh, I, agree. I just, I would, I love Chris Jericho. The man walks on water in my book, mm-hmm. but you know, I, I think it's great that they're teaming MJ up, F up with him, but I don't want to see Jericho become that crutch. You know, when, when WCW was doing their thing and leaning on old WWE guys or even TNA leaning on the old guys, 
it was cool for a minute, but how long can, you know, the old school stay real cool when you're hungry for modern? Well, and I think I think they're taking that step in the right direction now with Jericho and stuff, too, because he's in the tag picture, which is mm-hmm. where I think he needs to be. Develop your team. Develop your develop the inner circle. Let somebody like a um, like a Jake Hager ascend or an MJF ascend and Jericho kind of be he's there to cut the promo yeah. and to put and yeah, to MVP put on the, the good match. Yeah, yes, yes, that's exactly it. Break class in case of emergency. Okay, we have this guy that's just not just not there. Jericho. Orange Cassidy, honestly, arguably. You know, people are trying to figure out that cat, put him with Jericho, and he's great. I would love to see Jericho in a commentary role more. His commentary is hilarious. It's I great. love him and Taz. I just want to see him, Taz, and Excalibur. Those three. That's it. Yep. I think that could be your future team. but uh, I think so, too. And, and, like, I love Shivani, too. So, like, keep him on Dynamite. But, like, for AEW Dark, Taz, Excalibur, Jericho. Boom. Exactly. Yeah. I, I think that, you know, that puts the young talent over. You got all the credibility you need in the world and, you know, just moving forward that way. But I just, you know, I hope that we see AEW moving forward without leaning too much more on Jericho. I mean, Wardlow, he is a Pittsburgh guy. I mean, well, he's from Cleveland, but yeah. he, had his he made his in name IWC. in Pittsburgh. Yeah. And I mean, I've seen that guy do so much. Let's get Wardlow being Wardlow, the man with war in his name. I mean, yeah. that's what you want. That was his gimmick here. Uh, mm-hmm. My friend Justin Labar was actually his manager at one point, and that's how they brought him out, the man with war in his name, Wardlow. Amazing, amazing stuff. Well, and not only that, now you have these guys that are also still doing indie dates. So, like, that's the one thing with, with AEW. They're still allowed to do their indie dates. As long as it doesn't conflict with something that happens with AEW. So you have a guy like Wardlow that went back to IWC during one of their first post-COVID shows. Yep. And got the biggest fucking pop from a limited attendance arena. Exactly. Like, how how else do you how else do you like what more do you need to spread that wrestling boom than oh hey, a sunny kiss can show up at Beyond? Exactly. Or Jericho could show up at MLW. Jericho did show up at IWC one time. Right. Uh, and, or, I mean, it exploded. Right. And that's the thing is, like, you have these guys that have their homegrown promotions that can create that extra buzz, that can create that extra, like, Sonny Kiss. Um, I've been on multiple shows with him. And, and SWO here in here in York, PA, Susquehanna Pro uh, Wrestling Organization. If Sonny Kiss comes back, that pop will be astronomical compared to his last pop that he had. Um, Nyla Rose going back into the DC area or even Canada because she's she's a massive star in Canada for like I, I think she had a like a TV show up there or something like that. But like her going back to Canada. Or even going to Japan. Like, you're going to see these people get a little bit bigger pops if they go to all of these different things. Like, um, if you get Hybrid 2 going back down to going back down to Mexico or something like that. Or they just randomly show up in some kind of Lucha Libre pro- promotion in Texas. You know, and I'm very biased to IWC. A friend of mine runs it uh, in Justin Plummer. But mm-hmm. uh, seeing all these people from IWC, like, see, like... You know, bring Britt Baker back. She has never not been the happy-go-lucky heel of IWC. Mm -hmm. Or, I mean, happy-go-lucky face, excuse me. Uh, Bring her back in the heel form. It's going to explode. Lady Frost, who's been doing uh, AEW Dark, Mm -hmm. big, big pops here. I mean, you know, yeah, their home promotions need them. But, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm totally with you. With You know, get their indie dates, get the buzz going bigger, you know, keep building and honestly it's a good way to scout it is and that's the thing too is like i think we're i think we're primed for a wrestling boom but i think we're going back to the territories mm-hmm. i think we really are aew that's your super indie that's your nwa okay that's where yeah. everybody meets but then you have stardom you have um sendai girls 
uh, in Japan, the Joshi promotions. Okay, well, then you have your connection with DDT for the men. Um, and then, oh, hey, we have AAA right in our laps because Kenny Omega is the freaking mega champion. And they have a working yep. re- relationship there with um, Shima and his promotion. Um, oh, what is that Chinese promotion? OWE. They have OWE from China. Get the Shaolin Monk kid. I don't know if you've seen this guy yet uh, on YouTube no. at all. Oh, my God. Okay, so there's this kid in OWE, Oriental Wrestling Entertainment. He Okay, so backstory. Shima took all of these Shaolin monks, taught them pro wrestling. Already amazing. So there's this kid that portrays a Shaolin monk character. He's like 16. The dude does a front flip headbutt. And like when I say front flip headbutt, I don't mean like he front flips, hits a headbutt. No, you're laying on the ground and he headbutts you and flips out of it. Jesus H, man. Like, I'll have to find the link. This kid's amazing. He can do so much. And Shima's the one training all of these people and bringing pro wrestling to, like, Shanghai and Hong Kong and China and Thailand and all of that stuff. So you have that aspect. You have the Brit Res aspect with, like, your with your Shannas and your, um, your packs and everything like that. Then you you have the American homegrown talent that if they really want to go back to their promotions and bring us, say, Kenny Omega. Kenny Omega does one one indie date in three months. Massive pop. And you never know when he's showing up. Exactly. And he could be a touring champion defending against all of these different companies, top champion and being like, and then. That's how you get your second show or your YouTube for AEW Dark then. Hey, this is a dark match, but it's not something that we recorded. No, 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 no. This is something from Championship Wrestling from Hollywood. And Kenny Omega made a surprise appearance. And then you show the match that he has against the champion from Championship Wrestling from Hollywood. And he beats them, but he puts that guy over, makes him more legitimate. So that when he takes indie dates, oh, hey, you're invited to PWG now. Gets him on the map, gets that other person on the map, gets this other person on the map. And then you have this wrestling boom of like, oh, well, I want to be like that guy. Where's my ne- my nearest school? Boom. Well, you got to be careful with that, though, too, because, uh, you know, thinking just from the AEW, you don't want to, you know, flood it. You know, no. you don't want too much talent because there's a lot of talent right now that's not getting the time they need, I think, in AEW. And I mean, We've talked about him a lot. Wardlow hasn't had much ring time. You know, I want to see Wardlow destroy people. That's what I want. Well, not only that, then you have like Lance Archer too. Like Lance Archer who is criminally underutilized in that company. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) I'm a massive Murderhawk monster fan. Yeah, he he needs more time, and I think we're going to see a little bit more after watching Wednesday. But uh, you know, there's a lot of guys like Private Party. Where have they gone? Other than I, I. Don't they watch need to dark. Learn how to work. <laughs> <laughs> they need to learn how to work. I love Private Party, but God, they're sloppy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I'm just saying, there's just so much. I mean, hell, I'd love to see more Sammy Guevara wrestling. You know, yeah. instead of just being a, a sketch guy. I think we're gonna see that. I think Sammy might be hurt though too. I think mm. they're protecting yeah. him a little bit. I, and you know what? Like, I don't. I think like we want to see these guys, and I think they're holding off on them to. I think they're doing it right. They're giving us just enough that we appreciate it, but we want a little bit more. And, and I think they're teeing that stuff up. I think they're doing a really good job at that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I'll agree with that. So now that we've gone completely off tangent uh, from yeah. the Mount Rushmore. <laughs> yeah, let's, <laughs> let's actually read back through. So I have them all written down here. Justin, for Thomas Jefferson, he has Bret Hart. Brad, you have Dusty Rhodes. For me, I have Kazuchika Okada. For the Teddy Roosevelt, we have Justin giving it to Stone Cold, you giving it to Flair, me giving it to Cena. For Abraham Lincoln, you gave it to Ric Flair, or uh, Justin gave it to Ric Flair, you gave it to Stone Cold Steve Austin, I gave it to Cody Rhodes. And then for the George Washington, you both gave it to Hulk Hogan, and I gave it to The Undertaker. Let us know what your Mount Rushmore's are, on Twitter at Worst Wrestling, uh, that's our podcast page. Justin mainly runs that, but Brad and I we see everything. Uh, <laughs> so we're like can... the watchers of the Marvel Universe. 
Absolutely. We, we pick up on every key little Easter egg that you guys lay there. Um, <laughs> you can follow <laughs> Brad where? You can follow me at Pedersen Reports. That is spelled P-E-D-E-R-S-E-N Reports. I'm only on the Twitter machine, but you can also follow my friends at Wrestle Rumble at Wrestle Rumble and uh, get ready for the 20 mini belt giveaway. It's just a buck. Go check it out. Yeah, I've dropped my money already into that. I know my mom dropped money into that. You guys dropped money into that. Wrestle Rumble is a a nice little organization that if you want some if you want some cheap wrestling like a chance to win wrestling merch on the cheap, where else are you gonna get it? But Wrestle Rumble, baby. Exactly. Um, you can follow me at Damian underscore Miller on the Twitter. That is D A M I A N underscore Miller on Twitter, and you can find this podcast wherever you get your podcasts and wherever you can. Rate and review. Five stars pushes us way up the charts. Um, and also, we are a proud member of the Project Dits family. We uh, we have a lot of fun shows over there. We just did an episode a couple weeks ago with a whole bunch of co-hosts. You'll find me on Rogue Opinions, which is another uh, partnership podcast of people that run Project Dits and stuff like that. So make sure you guys check that out as well. Check out all the podcasts on Project Dits. And, you know... What better way to close it out than what you gonna do when the worst wrestling podcast runs wild on you, brother?